This is Holly from Word Alive. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week, Dan Maddox is talking about the sound of abundance and how we need to develop a way to listen and hear God. I hope you enjoy this message. We, we, you know, we're, in, we're in this push series. Uh, Matt Hobson started it off talking about positioning ourselves for abundance. Dr. Patio came along and told us we got to use what we got. And they were very encouraging to me. And uh, my ego is not real fragile, but I was a little let down this morning. You know, when these folks speak, not that my encouragement makes them or break them, but I like to go back and give them encouragement. Well, I went back first week, encouraged Matt, went back, encouraged Dr. Patio. And don't misunderstand me, I don't need it. But there was a table of M&M's, chocolate-covered raisins, peanuts, water, Cokes. I walked in this morning, seven cough drops and nine mints. (laughs) But that don't scare me. I love them anyway. Next week, Luke Barvel will be here with us, and he's going to be preaching. He'll be, yeah, give him a hand. He'll be finishing up the series talking about help, how the Lord helps us. I want you to help me this morning. I hope the sound folks are ready. I'm going to be talking to you for a few minutes about the sound of abundance, but I want you to help me with a little experiment. I've got a few sounds this morning, and I want you to see if you can help me figure it out. Gentlemen, if you're ready, give me the first one. Make it loud. All right, that's good, guys. What do you think it was? Somebody counting cash. All right, guys. Hit us with the next one. Anybody know? Slot machine paying off. All right, guys. Give me the third one. All right, guys, that's good. Anybody got a guess? It's oil rig. If you watch Beverly Hillbillies, that's black gold. You're too too young for that. Give me give me the next one, fellas. You got it. That's a cup running over. Here's my favorite. Go ahead, guys. The last one. All right, guys, that's good. That's somebody's family together, and everybody's happy. Now, you see, when I first started out preaching, my goal was I want to keep everybody happy. Because, see, they used to sing a song when I was growing up in church, an old song, Everybody Will Be Happy Over There. Well, I felt like my job was to help them get happy over here. Well, that is, but you can't keep them all happy all the time over here. So, but this morning, the reason I played those sounds is that 
If I gave you the picture, you could automatically identify what they were probably. And the thing about light and sound in the natural world, the speed of light is so much faster than sound. Have you, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you saw somebody in the distance hammering something and you would see them hit it, but then it'd take a second or so before you heard it. Why? Because light travels faster than sound. And so in the world in which we live, to see it is believe it. Well, you see in the kingdom of God, the way it works, and I may be wrong, we'll find out after today, I believe you got to hear it before you can see it. You see, abundance isn't just what we see, it's what we hear. So I got a little verse I want to start out with in 1 Kings 18, 41. Very simple, it just says this. It said, then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for, is, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Now that's just one little verse out of a big story that I try to tell you today. But Ahab was the wicked king of Israel. He had kind of led him astray. Elijah, in 1 Kings 17, basically the way the Bible works, it just says Elijah comes on the scene. Doesn't tell us really who his parents were or anything like that. Book of James says he was a person like us, had passions like us. But he comes on the scene and he makes this declaration. He said, for the next few years there will not be any more rain by my word. He said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand. In other words, he's the one I serve. Said the rain is going to be ceasing. And so with the story we get to today that... It hasn't rained in three and a half years. But you see, what happened was this. When God first, the thing about Israel, what made them so great is they became a nation overnight. You know, they had been in slavery for over 300 years, and one night God helped them to become a nation and delivered them out of bondage. And in Deuteronomy 11, this is what he tells them. He says, the place that I'm taking you to is not like, the, not like the place I'm taking you from. I'm glad today that where the Lord brought me from is not where he's taking me to. But he's got better things, better places, and better things for us. But you see, things were so hard back there because there wasn't a lot of rain in Egypt. But there was a big Nile River, and it overflowed, so they had canal systems. But the canals, would they only go so far, then the Israelites as slaves would have to carry the water. In other words, walk it out. He said, where you did live, you watered by foot. That's what he was saying. You took the water, and you poured it, and you carried it. He said, the land I'm taking you to, though, is this. He said, it's a land that has mountains and valleys. And said it really soaks in the rain. So he said, if you'll hearken diligently unto me. Now you know the first great commandment of Israel is what we call the Shema. Or Shema, however you pronounce it. Hear, O Israel. Well that word hearken diligently is the word Shema twice. Hear, hear. In other words, he's saying, listen to what I'm saying. 
If you will walk in my word and, pro- and believe what I promised you, he said, I'm going to send the rain from heaven in due season. Your crops are going to grow. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have everything you need because I'm the Lord thy God that has brought you out and I'm taking you in. You belong to me and I belong to you. And if you trust me, I'll take care of you. But you see, the thing about it is this. That was hundreds and hundreds of years before. And the people that Elijah's talking to weren't alive when that happened. But you see, so you can't get too hard or get too upset with them. But here's the deal. Their moms, their dads, their grandmothers and grandfathers, their great-grandmothers and their great-grandfathers were supposed to keep rehearsing the story to them. He said, when you sit down, when your children talk about this, when you walk by the way, talk about it. Put a frontlet on your head. Put it on your doorpost. Don't ever, because he said, here's the deal. I'm going to take you to a place, and you're going to live in houses you didn't build, and you're going to eat of olive, olive and vineyards that you didn't plant, and just be careful that when you get over there, and you and my paraphrase is, when you get fat and happy, that you forget God. Now, you see, Pastor Kent's told us that abundance is going to be our biggest test. That's why David prayed, Lord, I don't want more than I can handle because I don't want to go away from you. I want everything God's got for me. But I tell you this morning, the only thing that's going to make this thing succeed, that's going to make me and you go forward, is the presence of Almighty God. I don't have the ability to lead myself. I don't have the ability to help myself out. But there is a God in heaven who knows our hearts and is on our side. So there was a dilemma. A dilemma is defined as a situation in which a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives. What was a dilemma? You say, well, what is a dilemma? If that doesn't help you, if you grew up in the South, have you ever been in a pickle? That's what it was. Because you see, they had started following this idol called Baal. There was a male version of him and a female version of him. Ahab and Jezebel. They were the king and the queen. And they led Israel astray. And you see, this is what happened. And it can very easily happen. What happened to Israel was this. Israel could not trust God and take him at his word. Now, I'm not here to try to prove the Bible to anybody. That's not my job. But from when I study the Bible, there's one thing I know. The Bible teaches me that God's word and God's person are inseparable. You say, what does that mean? God means what he says, and he says what he means. And when God says go right, he means go right. When he says go left, he means go left. You say, is he being hard? No, he's being distinct. 
He's giving us a way and a path to go, and if we'll walk in it, why? Not that he's wanting to keep us together. You see, a lot of people think living right and doing good is legalistic. No, it isn't. God wants us to do good. He wants you to do right. But doing good and doing right isn't what saves you. Only the Lord can save you. I want to do good, but my doing good will never save me. But when he saves me, he wants me to do good. Why? Because it brings glory to his name. I found out a few years ago, it's not about Dan Maddox. It's all about the Lord Jehovah, the one who brought me out, and I promise you he's going to take me in. But you see, whenever there's a dilemma, you got to make a decision. Are we transparent? I hate to tell you this, but I'm the king of procrastination. I can put stuff off. The stuff I don't want to do. The stuff I don't like to do. Very, very honest. I knew I, I didn't know where I was supposed to go. But I knew I was supposed to leave my church in Florida three years before I ever left. Why? Because, you see, God gave me a word about it. But I couldn't comprehend it. It, did, it wasn't rational to me, Jeff. But you see, I've come to this conclusion. I don't claim to understand everything about God and everything about his word, but he's mysterious. But here's the thing. The things that are difficult, the things that are questionable, the things I may not comprehend or the things I may not feel like I want to do, I found out it doesn't pay to try to rationalize it down to where I can deal with it. The thing for me to do is get in the presence of God until I get the revelation from the Lord because I don't want to serve a God that I have to bring down to where I am. I want to serve a God who can take me up to where he is. I don't want to be what I used to be. I want to be everything he wants me to be and I promise you, he wants you to prosper. He said, believe my word and you'll be established. Trust my prophets and you'll prosper. Joshua, meditate my word day and night. You will prosper and make your way successful. Jesus himself said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And then 3 John, that little chap book that's hard to find. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you see, God wants us to prosper, to reach our destiny. He knows what it's going to take. But you see, there's times, if there's a dilemma, you got to make a decision. And so God spoke to Ahab, or spoke to Elijah. There's two things Elijah had going for him. From studying this story, you find out there's this little phrase repeated over and over about Elijah. It'd say, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, you see, I'm not sure how it was, but it was something that he heard. Are you tracking with me? But then also, he had a really strange ex relationship with the Spirit of God. Because, you see, while this was going on, 
See, Elijah, when he was born, when they named him, it gave him away. Elijah means, my God is Jehovah. And so here he comes on the scene, and just about most of Israel is serving this God called Baal. And so he comes into conflict with Ahab, and Ahab identifies him as the one who troubles Israel. You know, but here's the deal. The thing that God would do when they would try to kill Elijah, the Spirit of God would translate him someplace. Now, they tell me I need to exercise. Everybody tells me I need to exercise. My doctor, my mama, my wife, my grandkid, everybody tells me. And some days I get out walking and I pray for a spirit of Elijah to translate me to the last lap, but it don't happen. <laughs> but Elijah, but God says, go present yourself to Ahab and I'm going to send rain on the earth. Now here's the deal. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. I mean, it was dry. In fact, it was so dry the king had sent his servant Obadiah and said, you, it was so desperate that the king was leading one expedition and his right-hand man was leading the next one. They were going throughout the country trying to find place where grass was for the animals so that they could feed them because if they didn't feed them and things didn't happen, they were going to have to start killing the animals and eating them. Oh, yeah, oh, God, that's what I said when I read it. But he said, you go show yourself to Ahab. So Elijah made a decision. We're going to meet on Mount Carmel. If you've ever been to Israel, that's one of the highest points. The reason they built on Mount Carmel, because on Mount Carmel, they had tore down the altar that was built to God, and they built a sanctuary to build. And Elijah said, we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. Ahab said, all right, I'll meet you there. And he called Israel, and he had about 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. Elijah won the prophets of Baal 850. I don't know, I'm not good at math, but you can figure the odds. But Elijah says this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to allow you to build an altar first. You can sacrifice a bullock. You can put wood under it, but I don't want you to light a fire to it. And you can pray as long as you want to. And, and what we're going to do we're going, to do, we're going to make a decision today. The God who answers by fire, he's the one we're going to serve. If Jehovah answers, we're going to follow him. That word follow means we're just going to get straight behind him and follow wherever he leads us. If Baal answers, we're going to follow him. But before the day's over, we're going to be following somebody. You know, and, and it's like, you know, that one of those great theologians, songwriters, you're going to serve somebody? That's what Elijah was saying. You're going to serve somebody. And so they prayed till noon, and the Bible said nothing happened. They got on top of the altar, and they danced. Nothing happened. They got so desperate that they took their knives and started cutting themselves till they bled. Nothing happened. And then they started prophesying, and the Bible says there was no voice. There was no answer. Nothing happened. Elijah starts making fun of him. Says, you're God on vacation. If you look at the original Hebrew, I know enough that I found that. When he says, is he on a journey, literally, it's translated, is he pursuing? What that means, 
had he gone to the potty. Was it a bathroom break for Bill? And then when they got through, Elijah said, all right, here's the deal. He rebuilt the altar of God. Now, I want to tell you something. To hear the sound of abundance and to know it, you just got to spend some time with the Lord. Why? I can't explain it maybe the way I need to. But you see, prayer isn't us just begging God for stuff. God's more willing to give it than we are to ask. You say, really? He said, yeah, but you don't have it because you don't ask for it. But here's the deal. I've got to be willing or get to the place to where I know his voice. Because you see, God wants to let me know what he's doing so that I can get ready. You see, the Bible says faith comes what? By hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. i got to hear it before I ever see it. If you're waiting to see it, you're going to be waiting a long time. But if I can hear it, I'm on my way because if I can hear it, I'm going to see it. That's what the Bible says. you got to hear it by faith. Faith is just believing what God said. And so Elijah built this altar, and he put... Uh, cut up a bullet, put it on there. There was a brook near this mountain that had some water. And so he got four pots of water and wet down the altar three times. It was soaking wet. And then Elijah prays a 67-word prayer. And the fire of God fell and consumed everything that was on the altar, everything that was on the rocks, even the rocks. Now, I don't know a whole lot, but I know that the temperature in a volcano for the rock to become lava is over 2,500 degrees. And I grew up in church, and I'm all about the glory, and I'm all about the presence. But can I just give you a little word? We hadn't seen anything yet. If God in all his glory showed up in this place, we couldn't handle it. Our bodies would be consumed. Our God is a mighty God. Come on now. Our God is a big God. When I was growing up, they may have wrote the song themselves, but they, there's a little group at church that they'd sing, God is God and he's going to always be God. He's God when the lightning flashes. He's God, God when the thunder rolls. He's God way up in heaven. He's God way down in my soul. I don't know what your theology is, but God is God when everything's good. God is God when everything's bad. I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm not going to live by what I feel. I'm not going to live by what I want, but I'm going to hear what thus saith the word word of the living God because when this earth disappears and a new one comes and the heavens vanish and there's a new one the word of the Lord shall abide forever because you see God wants us to trust him God doesn't want us to live back in 1965 but God wants us when he told Jeremiah to look for the old past, he wasn't talking about doing stuff the old way. He was talking about stuff that's tried, that works. And you know that verse, call on the name of the Lord. 
we sometimes think that's a phrase of desperation. Oh, no. I got to searching it out of today. That's a confession. You don't call on somebody you don't trust. I tell you what, I remember when I was a kid, and I remember I'd get in a lot of trouble because I did a lot of stuff that I wasn't supposed to do, and I didn't want my mom to know, and I didn't want my dad to know, but I had a brother who I, a brother-in-law who I trusted. I called him on the midnight hour, and he delivered me out of a lot of stuff. Why? Because I trusted him. You're going to call on somebody you trust and when you call on the Lord he's going to show up but everything was consumed this has nothing to do with the message but I'm just going to throw this in here just to to freak you out if you read your Bible, it says the fire licked the water out of the ditch. Search it. The thought behind that is tongues of fire. Oh, that don't do nothing for you. It stirs my heart. You see, the fire of God is symbolic of the presence of God. And my question when I first read this, if it hadn't rained in three and a half years, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I want God to show up in the form of rain and not fire. Wouldn't you? I mean, we need money and we want God to show up in cash. That's all right. Sometimes God showed up with me in cash and I couldn't handle it. He's, you know, before he ever saved me, he took, he took some care of me because people were praying for me. But you see, the thing about the fire and presence of God is, you see, that's the only thing that will transform our lives. That's the only thing that can bring a transformation in us. I started to tell you when I first started, cause I, but I didn't want you to think I was arrogant, that I wasn't... I'm not smart enough to impress you, and I'm too old to care about it. So I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you, if you want to walk in abundance, you start spending some time in the presence of God. Why? Because, you see, the psalmist put it this way. This is what he said in Psalm 1611. He, he's telling the Lord, you'll show me the path of life, life real life. You see, God wants you to enjoy this journey. Yeah, I believe in heaven, and I'm glad I'm going there, but he wants you to enjoy the journey. He he says, but he said, I'll show you the path of life in your presence. is fullness of joy. It means a full supply. And then listen to this. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That can be spiritual but material, I'm going to stand flat-footed and not stutter. Whatever you need and whatever you want from God, if you'll get in his presence and listen to his voice, it's going to manifest in your life. Because you see, 
the Holy Spirit. I'm not a great theologian, but I know this. The same God that's in the New Testament is the same one as in the Old Testament. And the same spirit that was in the Old Testament is the same spirit in the New Testament. Things might have worked a little different. But you see, the Holy Spirit, he is the great convincer. Now, the King James says his job is to reprove. We read that, and it freaks me out. It doesn't mean that he's going around correcting you, telling you everything you're doing wrong. No, he's going around to convince you what's right. See, it had been 1,500 years since they left Egypt to the time to the time of Elijah's days. And you see, they'd got so whacked out and they'd got in such a place of confusion. Why? Because there's an enemy who wants to confuse our minds, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But you see, here's the deal. They got so confused, they didn't know who they wanted to serve. But you see, when the real presence showed up, when the real presence of God showed up. I'm not talking about the fake. I'm not talking about the hypocritical. I'm not talking about the fanatical. I'm talking the real, genuine, holy presence of Almighty God showed up. The Bible said even the pagans fell on their face saying the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Now I grew up in a weird church. That explains some about me and Pastor Kent. Just teasing. It was what you call a spirit field. They called it a Pentecostal church back then. And it was weird to me as a kid. I didn't understand everything, but I was just a kid. And I knew when the presence of God was in that house. I knew when the presence of the Lord could show up. I've seen people healed. I've seen them delivered. I saw saw people slain in spirit before that was ever cool. That was just for weird people. But what I want to tell you is this. What changed Israel's life is they just had a divine encounter with the power and presence of God. And I'm going to tell you something. You see, in my church, we believed in the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. They didn't call him Holy Spirit. They called him Holy Ghost. I thought for a long time as Casper's uncle. But uh, I figured it out once I went to seminary. But uh, anyway... I got to hurry up. But the deal was, if you didn't come and pray and they felt like you ought to be praying, like if they felt like you need to be saved but you weren't getting saved, they'd wait on the Lord to convince you. But they'd only give him so much. And then they'd say, all right, Lord, you rest a little bit. I'll take over. And they'd come, they'd come to where you're sitting and they'd hunt you. And what they'd do, they were going to pull you to the altar. 
You see that finger right there? I broke it holding on to a pew. No, not, not really. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. But I tell you what, I was so good. I got to where I was so good at waving them off that if I'd ever gone to the Navy, they wouldn't have had to train me. I could have been one of those guys on the aircraft carrier. Went, no, don't land now. Don't land. I had it down pat. But you know what? See, here's the thing. I can't explain it. But when you encounter the presence of God, one or two things are going to happen. If you yield to him, you become more sensible and more pliable. If you don't, your heart becomes more calloused. See, God didn't really purposely say, okay, I'm going to intentionally harden Pharaoh's heart. Every time Pharaoh would see God's presence and then resist it, his heart got harder and harder and harder. And my heart was so hard. I could say, see, I got the place where I'd come to church and I was wanting God to help me. But it was just like nothing. But you see, one day, the Holy Spirit and the presence of God began to move over my life. And I heard a voice loud and clear. I heard a man preach, God seeks a man. The voice came to me and said, Ed Maddox, you're the man I'm looking for today. Will you trust me? And I hadn't heard anything like that in so long. It was such a powerful encounter. I surrendered to it. And I've never regretted it a day in my life. Has everything. But I got to hurry up and land this plane. What happens when that happens, Elijah jumps up and says, you tell Ahab to get off the mountain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He said, I, I, it's going to rain. What that literally means, I hear it raining. I hear it raining. Now, I'm getting a little older in my physical hearing, or maybe it's selective. I don't know, but uh, I don't hear as well as I used to. Physically, sometimes, but you see, when you when you when you get into when you just allow the presence of God to move upon you, and you see, because it's that voice. Remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden? It was even after their sin, when they when God came to them, and I've preached it hundreds of times. They heard God walking in the garden. No, they didn't hear God. They heard His voice walking in the garden. It's all about the voice of the Lord. You see, the voice of the Lord can do amazing things. But we've got to listen to his voice. And so Elijah went up and prayed. Wasn't, he, wasn't that he had to beg God for it to rain. He just wanted to hear the voice one more time. And so he got down and he prayed and he told his servant, said, go, see if, go look out toward the sea. Do you see any clouds? He went seven times, didn't see anything. You say, well, Elijah was contradicting what he was saying. He was looking for something. Oh, no. 
Elijah didn't see it. His servant saw it. The servant came by and told him. All he did was hear it. And when he heard, said, I see a, I see a little cloud about as big as a man's hand. He said, that's all right. Let's get out of here because we're fixing to get a flood. I want to tell you something this morning. On the authority of the word of God. The Holy Spirit can convince you. And God through his word will keep you. And he can do for you what nobody else can do. He can give you what nobody else can give you. And he can help you like nobody else can help you. We just got to hear his voice. Would you stand with me this morning? Now I got an assignment for you this week. As you go through the week. I just want you to ask the Lord. Say, Lord. I'm not saying you haven't been speaking to me. Maybe you've been speaking and I haven't been hearing. But Lord, I want you to speak to me. And Lord, help me to hear your voice. And Lord, when I hear it, help me to be obedient. You say, well, Pastor Dan, why do you tell me that when you don't know what he's going to say? Well, I don't know what he's going to say, but I do know this. Whatever he tells you is for your benefit. See, he, he's trying to get you to his very best. You see, we're trying to get it for ourselves, and we can't do it. But you see, if we'll just be in his presence, his word becomes very distinctive. And his word becomes very clear. And he said... And when you hear him, what happens? Faith rises. You see, the Bible says faith has a substance and faith has an evidence. It's not something you can see, but it's something we can hear. That's why the book of Revelation says this. The Spirit says, people who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying. I'm going to promise you, if you'll ask him, you're going to hear him, and if you'll obey, I guarantee you, you're going to have the greatest week you ever had. Is that a deal? Would you just lift your hand? And Lord, we bless you today. We thank you for your word, your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the sound of abundance. Lord, I hear a sound of abundance in this house. I hear it loud and clear this morning. I've been hearing it for a few days, Lord, and it's getting louder, and it's getting clearer, and it's getting more real, and I just pray that everyone else begin to hear it, and we begin to let it activate us, and we just act on it and walk on it, because God, everything you have for us, you've got it. It's already here. We just got to hear you tell us what to do, and when we do it, we're going to see it, and we're going to thank you, Amen and amen. Have a great week. See you next week. Love you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv. And if you're ready for the next step, you can jump into Freedom Track anytime. Thanks for listening.